You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast, and uh, today is a follow-up. This particular podcast is a follow-up on one I did a couple of days ago regarding Tesla's cars are made with ancient trees. Uh, And I kind of went into what lithium batteries are made from. And since that podcast, I have literally seen in the news about three stories promoting electric cars across the car industry all car industries are moving to electric vehicles using lithium batteries okay so as we discussed in the first um podcast and that was targeted targeted at tesla this is family across the board with the entire car industry which isn't surprising we knew or we should know by now that they are definitely moving from gas cars to electric. But I just want to make the family aware that the hustle, the hustle in this move is to try to make the populace believe that we're going more greener, going more sustainable. So in other words, we're moving from Uh, coal slash gas, which is harmful to the environment, to electric. When in actuality, what they're doing and how they're making the lithium batteries, it's still harmful to the environment because it requires a mass amount of mining, And yep, just like I said in the first podcast, that mining is of the ancient tree, specifically the ancient tree roots, okay? And I just want to point out that even the coal that they use to uh, heat homes, that coal is really just the remnants of petrified ancient trees, okay? So for the past, what, 200 years, they, and actually more than that, absolutely more than that, but we'll use it for the sake of the timeline when they started using coal. So let's say for the past 200 years, they have been using the ancient tree as an energy source, okay? So now we're to the point where they are using the ancient tree roots, which they have also been doing that to fuel the computer age, hence Silicon Valley, hence the silicon crystals, which are the tree roots. So I just want us to be aware of uh, how uh, lithium batteries are not, 
this great thing for the environment. It is literally the same script of mining the natural resources of planet Earth, okay? And that is still inferior technology that is not using a higher level of technology which we had in the past. We didn't have to rely on excavating from the earth. We were able to take the natural energy that is emitted from the ancient tree roots and the atmosphere from the trees to get energy, okay? That was exactly the technology that Nikola Tesla, they said he was inventing inventing it. I said he was just re-engineering ancient technology, okay? So uh, let's get into just real quick to bring the family up to speed and make everyone aware of what's going on, okay? Um, let me use a little technology here. Bear with me just a second. All righty, and there we go. Okay, so this is from Forbes magazine. Uh, this came out February 11th. Now, mind you, the video that I saw the other day uh, was literally yesterday, and I was waiting for it to be posted. It was a news clip to share with you, and I literally cannot find it, family. Uh, on that video, it talked about how they wanted to ramp up, the car companies wanted to ramp up the search for minerals in the U.S., and they were using a drone and um, like a metal detector, but it was large. You know how folks sometimes on the beach, you'll see them with those uh, metal detectors going over the sand to pick up metals. Well, they put one on a drone and were flying over and uh, using that to uh, look for minerals, okay? Can't find a video nowhere. All right, hopefully it'll pop up, but so far I haven't found it to be posted. But anyhow, let's go to this one. What batteries will power the future? This is out of Forbes magazine, came out in February 2021. Battery technology may be the keystone of the energy transition, facilitating the decarbonization. Okay, so remember we talk about often... What they are doing is going from a carbon-based economy to a digital economy. So carbon-based slash petrodollar, oil, we're leaving that particular era slash age going to the true digital age slash AI, and a part of that will be the currency as well as the technology. So you're going to continue to hear them talk about 
carbon being a bad thing, uh, getting out of carbon, going electric, and then they're going to have to even ramp it up further because based on the amount of AI they plan on implementing <clears throat> with the whole metaverse, et cetera, et cetera, they are going to need a huge energy source to do that, right? And I suspect they'll get, they will get beyond mining the ancient tree roots. And let's just hope there's some remain of those ancient tree roots, which are really crystals. And then they would uh, definitely have to rely on the atmosphere, okay? I believe that there already are testing relying more on the atmosphere or natural energy and working in conjunction with the crystals or in other words, what folks are more familiar with, Nikola Tesla's concepts, okay? So you're going to keep hearing about carbonization. You're going to hear uh, the politicians talk about a carbon tax, etc. All right, so facilitating the decarbonization of the transportation sector while providing a critical backstop for intermediate solar and wind generation and power generation. But the widely used lithium-ion battery may not be up to the task of carrying the future of the global green economy. And I agree with Forbes on that because the amount of energy it's going to take for them to uh, create this AI alternative reality society, um, the minerals used in lithium will not be enough. All right. President Joe Biden is making batteries a component of his carbon neutrality strategy, suggesting that domestic production, rather than relying on Chinese and Korean imports, could create jobs. Right now, Chinese companies, including CATL, BYD, and uh, HeFi, uh, Guaxon, High Tech, produce 79% of the world's batteries. Okay, so now let's make clear that means the Chinese and Koreans are heavily mining in their area, those ancient tree roots. Domestic manufacturers trail with 7%. Okay. So these areas in China and Korea, they're getting ready to be a hot mess if you are mining heavily some of the last remaining natural resources out of the ground, okay? That is going to deplete and strip those areas even further, okay? So if you understand the hidden history of this planet and how deserts were created, 
and uh, Antarctica, you will understand that those areas were created by giant mining as well as wars using high-level technology, what they call direct energy weapons today, which left the lands literally barren, okay? And in the case, uh, and changed the atmosphere. So the natural atmosphere that the earth had, which was uh, tropical, was stripped down to this unstable four seasons that we see today, okay? And some areas were so devastated that in order for the planet Mother Earth to repair herself, she had to freeze over, hence Antarctica. So the point I am trying to make, let's be clear, when there is excavation going on, on Mama Earth, stripping her of her natural resources, there is a huge environmental impact to the atmosphere because it is an impact to her. And what impacts her ultimately impacts us, okay? That would be like you on your body continuously getting surgeries and getting things excavated out of your body, the natural resources. That is not making you stronger, that makes you weaker, okay? So no matter how they try to dress this up with lithium um, batteries being the alternative to carbon, they are one in the same. Okay, so domestic manufacturers trail with 7%. The need to compete is evident. Lithium ion or Li-ion is the most prolific battery technology in use today. Li-ion boasts high energy density relative to older nickel cadmium batteries and the absence of a memory effect, which causes batteries to lose storage capacity with continuous use. Okay, so that's their justification <clears throat> for using lithium. Self-discharging, where, where in minuscule chemical reactions in a battery, lower capacity over time is minimum in the lion or the lithium technology. For these reasons, most of today's electric vehicles, EVs, use some form of Lion batteries. Tesla employs its own lithium, nickel, cobalt, aluminum, NCA chemistry, while lithium, nickel, magnesium, cobalt, NMC, is common in the rest of the EV sector produced by LG Chem and SK Innovation. So I just want us to just real quick to be clear. Nickel, you know, that is a mineral, a metal coming from Mother Earth, coming from 
the ground, okay? The ancient tree roots. Cobalt, same thing. Aluminum, same thing. Now, the uh, one news clip I saw that I just can't seem to find uh, when they were scouring over the U.S. and they were over the forest areas, the, the gentleman said he was looking for nickel, cobalt, and copper. Those were the main three precious metals that he was particularly looking for for lithium <coughs> batteries. All right? So I just wanted to be clear that all of these things that they are speaking on are precious metals that they have to mine. They have to mine. They have to dig into the earth to get. The two Korean companies are embroiled in a legal battle with the former accusing the latter of intellectual property theft. Okay, so I just find it absolutely disgusting, yet here again, you have a, a group of folk, I call them parasites, that continue to take from the earth without no regards and try to place claim on things that do not belong to them for a profit Regardless of the destruction, not only to the natural organic of the planet and the living, breathing, breathing organism, Mother Earth herself, but also no regard for the atmosphere that her precious minerals create for the rest of us, okay? So it is hypocritical to lay claim on something that is not theirs. No one owns the earth. Regardless of what these parasites may think, what claims they have put down, what paperwork they have generated, no one owns the earth. The earth is. As a living, breathing entity, we are supposed to be respectful caretakers and living in harmony to the planet. We are supposed to be living in a way that anything that we take of can always be regenerated. Because the earth provides in a way where there are no shortages. So we are supposed to be caretakers of the earth. Not scavengers and parasites taking from the earth to the point where there's nothing to replenish. Okay. The International Trade Commission decision to bar certain imports from SK Innovation over the matter could disrupt America's supply chain and Biden's clean energy transition. So I want you all to get the hustle on clean energy. How is mining from the earth 
which will ultimately throw off of throw off the natural ecosystem which it has already been severely damaged with the hundreds of thousands of years that of mining that have occurred slash terraforming. So now they're trying to, once again, dupe the populace into believing that Biden has some sort of clean energy transition when it, it is not so. It's one and the same. But let's continue. Unfortunately, Lion or lithium lifespans still aren't particularly long. Okay, so again, how's that clean energy? How is that working in harmony? How is that regenerating? And experience significant deterioration within the first few years. Five years of an extensive use can leave a battery at 70 to 90% of original capacity. Li-ion batteries are still an expensive means of power with the industry standard hovering around 137 per kilowatt hour in 2020. Tesla's cutting edge NCA battery packs are rumored to be closer to 100 kilowatts uh, per hour. That being said, costs have come a, a long way. In 2010, battery prices were 1,100 kilowatts per hour, representing a 90% drop over 10 years. But that decrease is not sustainable over the next decade. Okay, And the video, again, that I was trying to find... Um, based on a news clip that I saw, that was the purpose of uh, this particular company, car company. I want to say it's Chevy, uh, but don't quote me on that. It was a, an American car maker who was out uh, looking for minerals, said that uh, they believe that if they can find a mineral source, Okay, so remember those mineral sources are the root systems of Mother Earth. If they can uh, find a large source of minerals here in the U.S., that they would be able to bring down the cost of the uh, batteries, which would ultimately bring down the cost of the electric vehicle. All right? So again, this is all about business for them at the expense of the planet's natural resources and ultimately at the expense of the atmosphere, which is a detriment expense to you. All right. Um, so this uh, graph is just showing the volume weighted average pack and the sale price slit. Okay, so it's just showing how high it was in 2013 and by 2020, how it has reduced significantly. All right. According to Bloomberg, New Energy Finance, the 101 kilowatt price point is where EVs will be price competitive with internal combustion engines. Okay, so again, 
trying to get it to the point where it is um, price competitive to buying a um, gas-based car. This threshold is expected to be crossed between 2023 and 2025. But questions remain if Li-ion battery chemistry can be improved past this point. Battery production is straining the supply of cobalt with concerns over whether the mining process dominated by the Democratic, oh Lord, oh Lord, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, DRC, is environmentally or social, uh, socially responsible. Now, come on, who they think they trying to fool? We know that it's not. Uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo has always been unstable. It's always been a battle over resources, natural resources, Mother Earth's natural resources. So we already know that it's not environmentally or socially responsible. Producers will need to locate other sources. There have also been recorded safety incidents which have made the public gun shy. Though actual incidents of overheating lithium batteries appear rare relative to the number in use. Those are the downsides to what was not long ago cutting edge. Scientists believe the future, the $50 kilowatt a battery and below lies elsewhere. Those thinking long-term have eyed solid-state batteries as a successor to Li-Ion. Research is underway and prototypes are in development, but it could be a decade before a solid-state device is available for public consumption. Expert estimate solid-state technology will cost 800 kilowatt to 400 kilowatt by 2026. Industry leader Quantum Skate has experienced price volatility thanks to the combination of high expectations and no revenue. Yet energy enthusiasts are excited. Solid state batteries represent a paradigm shift. Instead of rechargeable liquid electrolytes found elsewhere, they utilize safer, non-flammable solid electrolytes. Solid electrolytes are more energy dense, allowing for faster charging, greater range, and a longer shelf life. Longer lasting batteries reduce the need for expensive storage system and energy costs for consumers. They handle heat better, but also operate at extremely cold temperatures. Surprisingly, unsurprisingly, EV manufacturers are eager for a breakthrough. Right now, Tesla has a thermal management and electronic control technology, which gives it an advantage over its competitors. By removing temperature as a vulnerability, solid state technology could allow others to cut costs and compete. Established companies and startups such as Ionic Materials and NEI Corp are funding research and development. Toyota has made battery technology a priority 
regarding solid state as a solution to the limited range and long charge time hindering widespread proliferation of EVs. They hope to sell the first solid state battery equipped EV this decade. The Volkswagen Group has its own partnership with QuantumScape. And there are additional projects backed by Ford, BMW, and Mercedes-Benz, among others. Transportation is not the only industry that stands to benefit. Improved batteries and smartphones will potentially allow up to three days of continued usage without changes to design or weight. Other devices from laptops to utility storage units will similarly gain in charge duration. That should be welcome news to consumers and to countries seeking to modernize the power their power grid. Okay, so you see how huge they are talking about expanding um, the lithium batteries, but let's just remember they have to do mining or excavating, pulling out the precious minerals out of the earth. And that is not sustainable. Okay? So this is really not new technology, family. Okay? This is still not that ancient technology where they were using the uh, natural energy or frequency in the ionosphere and using the grounding, they were tapping two sources, one in the the ionosphere slash atmosphere and the other one when they, uh, they ground them harvesting the natural energy. They also are drawing from what? Those same metals that they are now trying to extract out of the ground for lithium battery, okay? So instead of extracting them, we just use a a conductor, i.e. copper, okay? So that you would have to do a little bit of extracting to use the copper to conduct. So the copper would be the conductor to the ancient tree roots, meaning the crystals. And then they can also uh, grab the energy from the atmosphere, okay? So they still have not gotten to that point yet of releasing that to the public. Right now, they are selling the public on this facade that they're moving to green energy with electric batteries via replacing carbon or gas when it's really not the case. They're still extracting. So it's still the same thing. It's still the same amount of damage to planet Earth. All right. So President Biden would be wise to invest in research, but government labs should not pick winners in tech unless it is for military activity, developing a domestic supply chain for battery components and batteries will be crucial in breaking free of the Chinese monopoly on the sector. 
Only by producing new economically viable technology can we meet the needs of an evolving energy economy and succeeding in the energy transformation, okay? So again, that's coming from Forbes magazine. What batteries will power the future? Okay, so just to show you that this is a worldwide effort, I pulled this uh, article from Wired magazine, and it's uh, the race to grab all of UK's lithium before it's too late. Two companies are convinced that the historical mining region of Cornwall holds a bounty of lithium, but first they need to get to it. Okay. Hidden in the hills of St. Dennis in Cornwall, a short drive away from the mining village, once known, okay, again, from a mining village, once known as the richest square mile in the world, okay, so once again, the planet of what we know today is li literally just a wasteland. It is a remnant of hundreds and thousands of years of mining. Mining planet Earth's precious resources. Okay, so once known as the richest square mile in the world, lies a gigantic hole in the ground. This is not unusual. The area is pitted with hundreds of old and abandoned mines where for almost 300 years, tons of copper, tin, tungsten, and clay were taken away from the earth. Okay, now that was just 300 years, family. That's why I said we can use it in a couple of hundred years, Mark, when we talk about uh, today. But make no mistakes about it. This has been going on for hundreds of thousands of years. Okay? To the point that the planet has been mined slash terraformed so much to the point that the entire planet's ecosystem has totally changed along with the people being born on it and inhabiting it. What is odd, at least in 2021, is the noise coming from it, the steady sound of digging. Finding the source of the sound involves a cautious ascent on a rocky path to the mouth of the Trevlevor Downs, where dense vegetation gives way to a stark landscape ripped apart by heavy machinery. Okay. So as they're talking about this, I know most of you have seen this movie before, and you're going to always hear me refer to this movie when I talk about the ancient trees and the amount of uh, mining, excavation, and terraforming that has went on in the planet, I want you to think of Avatar, okay? And what they were after in Avatar and how they showed you in Avatar those natural minerals and crystals 
were so prevalent in the ground that it literally was that illuminating natural light that showed up in the plants, that showed up in the trees, and just with the mere contact of walking on the natural earth with your bare feet, you could interact with those crystals and those minerals and that um, the ground would light up, okay? So what they were showing you in that movie, and shout out to Dr. Dilbert Blair, the ancestor, he was the first one to say it. He said that Avatar was a documentary on ancient planet Earth. Okay? So that movie was explaining to you an invasion that went on on planet Earth and how terraforming happened for the purpose of extracting resources and how the indigenous population wanted to protect what? The ancient tree and how all of the animal life as well was against the terraforming of the planet, okay? All right, so we don't even know how the extraction and the terraforming has impacted us of, or what they're calling the human race, okay? So it was indicated in Avatar that the species or the species to that planet looked totally different, okay? Everything was bigger. They were way bigger. The fruit was gigantic, which would make sense if you have a highly enriched oxygen environment, and an environment that was more silicon versus carbon, okay? All right? So mining on the planet has been happening for thousands of years. And we know in the range of 300,000 years and some change based on the Sumerian text, okay? So when you get into the hundreds of years of mining, that is down to mining the remnants of the ancient trees, down to mining the remaining of the tree roots. So let's continue. Entire chunks of land are missing, leaving behind white craters, where hills abruptly turn into chasms, okay? This is why we can say when you look at mountains and you look at hills, they are not what they appear to be, what they teach you that they are. Those mountains and those hills are remnants of mining, of excavation, of terraforming, okay? Same exact thing. 
on a bright day, looking at the white walls, it's like gazing into the sun. In the midst of the scene on a Tuesday afternoon in April is an almost comically small red digger chugging noisily away at a small hole in the ground. This, say hard hat-wearing geologists from Lithium Extraction Company, Cornish Lithium, is the place that will herald a mining resistance. Cornish Lithium is one of the two local companies, the other being British Lithium, that believes that the shiny metal could be a new gold rush for Cornwall. Okay? Remember the gold rush in the Americas? That was still mining. That was still extracting, excavating precious metals and resources out of the planet Earth. So, which could be a new gold rush for Cornwall, an opportunity to revive an industry that waned decades ago and left many of the traditional mining villages impoverished. Same script. Okay? So certain group of people that feel they have the right, the exclusive right to go around planet Earth and extract resources from the planet for their benefit and displace the indigenous population of that area that have lived in that area at a minimum hundreds of years and some of them thousands of years. And what is left behind is poverty. But their mission is bigger than that. They think these deposits could unlock, unlock the UK's electric dreams making the extraction of lithium and manufacturing of lithium-ion batteries possible in the country for the first time, reducing the substantial ecological footprint of current battery technology. Okay, so there's that line again of reducing some climate blueprint they believe there could be enough lithium in Cornwall to meet UK's demand when the country moves, I told you, from fossil fuel vehicles to electric ones, okay? So this, again, is a worldwide effort, family. Make no mistake about it. This is still a part of a reset, Okay? They just have to find a cost-effective way to get it. It's thanks to the Cornish miners of the past that today's companies know where to dig in the first place. To identify a potential site, Cornish lithium geologist Adam Matthews painstakingly poured over aged maps drawn by hand with scratchy letters showing the depth of each of the dig sites and what the miners found. Each borehole extends underground first vertically, then off in shoots 
like the roots of a tree. Not like the roots of a tree. Baby, they were roots of an ancient tree. While there are a lot of historical geological maps out there, he often found them in rather peculiar places. One treasure trove was in private hands in the attic of a historic mining enthusiast who had amassed a cache of them with a friend over the past 100 years. The cost of digging blind would be prohibitive for a startup to narrow their search. Cornish lithium used machine learning. Okay, so that's programming technology. That is part of the reset. What machine learning does is it studies computer patterns and it improves upon those patterns and it creates new patterns. So when you hear that term, machine learning, that's what it means. So think in the terms of like the movie Terminator, how the machines got smarter, how the machines were able to like ultimately program themselves and become smarter and stronger. Think in that minds when you think of machine learning, okay? All right. So use machine learning to find patterns in the historical mining data hoping to find lithium on the first try. They layered all of the maps on top of each other to create a master map and worked to fill in the gaps in their knowledge. An endeavor that Matthew says took a year and a half. So basically, just to break this down, they um, took an a, a older map. And remember up here, he said... Uh, to then off and shoots like the roots of a tree, which it is the roots of an ancient tree. So they're basically mapping out the ancient tree's root system because, again, that's where these resources are. You And so just imagine how huge those ancient trees had to be and if you ever want to know the scale of them, just look at mountains. And notice how those mountains are connected. That's how large those ancient trees were. And some of them, when you climb the top of them and it was directly flat, if you look closely, you will see the tree roots. Okay, so that was the scale of those trees. So if you know they were that huge, you know they had to have big tree roots as well, right? Anybody that's ever had a tree next to their house and the tree continues to grow to the point where it uh, starts uh, tearing into the foundation and plumbing, you should understand. Okay? You might notice that the measurements are different here, he says, pointing at one of the boreholes drawn on the maps in Cornish Lithium Office in Torero, Truro, sorry, a few kilometers from the coastal town of Falmouth. On these maps, everything in fan, 
phantom, one phantom is 1.8 meters. In some cases, but not all cases, they measure the distance of it inclined, whereas now you measure vertically. Depending on the year, they might have done one or the other. He smiles. You have to do trigonometry to figure it out. Sometimes the map writers will try to tell you how deep a hole is, but won't tell you where they started to measure, started measuring from. He points to a number scratched in ink on another map. Can you see here? 70 to 112. The number 70, he explained, is what's called the fathom level, but it's not the distance below the surface. It's the distance below the level, but there is no standard measures for where the level is, he says. Think of it as the drainage in your house. It's in a certain place, and it's slightly inclined to allow it to drain, but it's a very different place if it's on a hill or in a valley. Underground, this means that the whole marked as 112 fathoms deep, could end at a very different depth than what the map appears to suggest. Okay, so just imagine, um, and I'm, I'm going to pull some pictures and just show you some of those caves with the crystals. So you can just, just get an idea of the amount of resources. Okay, so we'll get through this and then I'll, I'll, Pull some pictures toward the end. In some cases, past miners didn't make records of where they decided to dig at all. There were huge black spots of information missing on mines that Cornish lithium could unknowingly crash into, destabilize its plans, which Matthew says he only managed to shed light on thanks to consulting a former miner called Terry Cotton, who had worked in the area for 40 years. Some of the mines marked on the map are comically shallow. That's probably people just have a go, he says. Other people try to reproduce maps and inserted errors as they put their own spin on it. So in other words, folks have been continuously and consistently trying to mine or mining the metals and slash resources uh, from the earth. On his computer at Cornish Lithium office, Matthew points to what the maps ultimately helped him build, an X-ray style 3D model of an entire landscape, color-coded to show the angle and age of each of the shafts dug to extract the clay. It looks like hundreds of different color straws struck at different angles into the ground. His roadmap for where to dig, okay? So when I was uh, sharing with you all earlier um, the news video where they had put a drone up in the sky and was uh, going up over a um, forest and they had uh, attached to the drone like a metal detector um, the pictures that were coming back from the metal detector definitely were the x-ray 
style, okay? And they were showing 3D images where they can uh, show where the metals are located, all right? And just make note that that X-ray technology that came from something that Tesla invented, which again, I say he didn't invent anything. He was just really using uh, reverse engineering from ancient technology. All right, so let's continue. Where there were no maps available, he also had help from eyes in the sky. Uh, Alistair Salisbury, an exploration geologist for Cornish Lithium, has been mapping the terrain that even drones can't reach. Okay, so apparently they're doing the same thing, which makes sense <clears throat> using those drones. This piece of the puzzle involves taking pictures chow, of fault lines that extend to the coast and importing them into the software. Okay. So if you are familiar with the documentary um, about the world history of Earth, and it showed on in that documentary the fault lines, the volcano fault lines of the planet and how they were um, excavation of the tree roots of the planet and former mining activities and they became volcanoes because that was the remnants of waste of mining the trees. This makes perfect sense what they are saying that they are taking pictures of the fault lines that extend to the coast. And that is exactly what he showed us in that video. And I'll, I will pull that as well and incorporate that in here just to show you how in that video he was showing us how they were excavating hundreds and thousands of years ago the trees and the tree roots and the mining activity leftover or remnants or waste piles created these volcanoes and fault lines. Okay, on his screen, drone imagery of the coast shows huge gaps in the granite, which he follows in line, drawing, on, drawing onto the 3D model. The structures that are visible by drones at the coast are formed by the same chunks of rock found 600 to 700 meters down inland. We can use an interpretation that we make on the coast to infer further inland. So that's what the fracture zone might look like. That's what the permeability, I know I'm not pronouncing that right, permeability, sorry, might be, he says. Salisbury's job is to explore any possible avenue to quickly access lithium. However, unlikely. At one point, he worked on testing all of the natural springs across Cornwall, which were once associated with druids and holy water for potential lithium in the groundwater. 
we had a map of all the holy wells. So we went and tested some of them to see if they had elevated in lithium levels or if they could tell us more about what's happening, he says. His team, Trapseed, I don't know what that is, I'm, I'm mispronouncing it, forgive me, around the land trying to find these water sources in a pilgrimage that ended up being mostly futile. We did well after well. Some of them were just concreted over and there was just a little shrine there. Okay, so it's interesting that they're talking about this holy water. I will have to research what exactly are they talking about there, okay? So I don't know if they're talking about natural streams, but let's continue. Salisbury has also mapped the entire North Coast, capturing special um, spectral information, data from across the electromagnetic spectrum to look for alternative signatures of key minerals associated with geothermal activity. What we see with our eyes is a very small portion of the electromagnetic spectrum, he says. Bringing up another 3D geological map on his computer, what we use is speed cameras, which soak up all of the information in the electromagnetic spectrum, which is about 15 magnitudes more information than what you can see with your eyes. Okay, so in other words, electromagnetic spectrum, they're seeing the natural frequency, the natural frequency slash energy of the atmosphere, which is the energy they should be using. Okay, just like you have a natural electromagnetic spectrum. So you emit light, light that cannot be seen with the naked eye. And based on what your frequency is, how you are vibrating, it's based on which level of that electromagnetic scale you are on. So the lower the uh, vibration frequency or the electromagnetic frequency that you are emitted, that is the color red. The highest you go, you get to the blue and you get to um, the violet. And then you can go so high that you get to a crystalline state. Okay. He gives the metal in the ground false colors like pink, yellow, or orange to show where they are concentrating on the ground. I don't know if he's given that. Or if that's just the natural colors that are being given off, the natural frequencies, okay? He clicks on his screen and graphs with different zones, sorry, with dozens of different color waves appear like a heartbeat on an ECG monitor, okay? So again, planet Earth she has her own natural electromagnetic slash vibratory vibration. 
her heartbeat is called the Schumann resonance or frequency. Okay? We can use that to understand which of these structures have seen, and, and I just want to point out everything that resides on her have frequency and energy. Okay? We can use that to understand which of these structures have seen more alteration and more fluid uh, flowing through them, he says. So we can say that these structures might be more perspective for lithium or geothermal waters further inland. The light bouncing off the ground has produced what he describes as fingerprints in the ground. Most likely it's Kalonite that he's looking for, the white mineral that is a telltale sign that there is clay in the ground and is associated with hydrothermal activity of geothermal waters and lithium. Okay. And just to point out, <clears throat> clay is also one of the reasons why indigenous folks um, built with it. I am specifically thinking out West. And I think, uh, some folks still do this today. And, and, uh, folks that are kind of going back to the natural state. Okay. So I'm thinking like, um, Arizona, Mexico, um, those places. I forget what you call them. I want to say Adobe style houses, which I kind of actually like where they put clay on the outside and uh, the inside. They have like some type of uh, barrier in between. Nowadays, they're using um, foam. They're using foam and then they use a wire to uh, put the clay on. And then sometimes they stucco over it and then sometimes they'll put... Just leave it as it is, okay? But the clay is used as kind of like a conductor. So it keeps it cool um, in the summer, all right? Because it's a clay is like um, thermal. So it's a natural controller of temperature, Okay? So this is an example of using things natural from the earth. All right, so we can continue. He hopes the fingerprints he collects will include the entirety of the Southwest in the future. Thanks to a project with the UK Space Agency, which aims to expand his reach with satellite imagery. This data may seem excessive, but for modern day mining, it is half the battle. Okay, so that's what we're going to call this modern day mining. Okay. Next, the data needs to be tied and tested before companies can be granted permission to extract at scales. To do this, they need to dig. Okay, so how much more of this we want to read? Because this is quite... A read. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of this deeply because uh, I want to get to some of the other stuff. I want to get to some of the pictures. 
Um, we'll go on to extracting lithium. And then um, I'm going to start pulling some of those pictures for you. Uh, and then we're going to wrap it up. To extract lithium from the tree, the Trelevoir, Trelevoir Downs, the four-strong Cornish lithium mining team is making a hole every few meters using a drill rig with almost 1,500 meters of diamond and 2,500 meters of reverse circulation drilling plan. The rig pushes deep into the ground and inserts here we go, gallons of pressurized water to lubricate it and extract drill cores from granite. The cores, perfectly shaped stone cylinders, are about a meter long and roughly the diameter of a table tennis, a table tennis ball are passed to members of the team to tag, examine, and crush to release the lithium contained within them. This takes a lot of energy, around 5% of the electricity generated globally is spent crushing rocks in lithium mining. So right there, now explain to me again how this is supposedly so great for the environment. The team uses technology licensed from Australian company uh, Lepidical to process the sample on site without the need for further refining. Cornish Lithium says it is processing towards bulk metallurgical testing to handle many samples of lithium at once and plans to construct a pilot test plant to ramp up processing. We need to mine the rock quarry and then crush it. Again, now explain to me how that's such good for the environment. I'm going to read this last paragraph and then we're going to pull some pictures. All right. The process of extracting the lithium involves separating out the lithium micas, groups of minerals found in granite, Oh, 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 it just hit me, it just hit me. Because those of you that have seen granite, if you have granite in your crib, you can look at that granite and you can see those veins in, in because you know they call them the veins in their granite. You can see the silver and you can see the gold, right? I know y'all know what I'm talking about. And it's interestingly enough, uh, I thought, it, and I didn't know back then what I know now, when I was uh did a visit to Egypt. Ooh, this was years ago, fam. I want to say 1999. Uh was it 1999? Yeah, it was it was it was a minute ago. And we were taking a trip up the Nile. Um we literally teamed up with a a, a local and we're like, no, you know, okay, we had enough of this tour stuff. We teamed up with somebody it was going to take us to a local village that took us to a local village. 
Um, and we had to go up the Nile and we was in a boat. And it was pretty cool because we saw the hippos. But what struck me um, coming up out of the Nile were these huge things of granite. And I thought it was so beautiful. I'm like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Now I want you to picture this. We're going up the Nile. On one side of the Nile, total desert. Okay? Now you should know what is comprised of sand. Sand is comprised of silicon Silicon, i.e. the ancient silicon trees. Okay? And then you have this body of water, the Nile, which is pretty still for the most part. And some parts of the Nile, unless they didn't clean it up, but when I was there, child, it looked so dirty. I didn't want nobody even to splash that mess on me. It was disgusting. Okay, but this part of the Nile, this was like the opened up part of it. Because that's the part. It had to be pretty decently clean because the hippos was in it. They was chilling, doing their thing. But there were huge blocks of granite family coming from up out of the Nile. But I didn't know what I know now. I just, I thought the, the granite was hella more beautiful than that desert sand. So what we were literally witnessing going up that Nile was the excavation mining site of those ancient trees. So that granite was the remnants of the structure up under the ancient trees. Okay? And like they usually do when they mine something, instead of leaving a big gaping hole, they will backfill it with water. Now, I don't know this for sure, I'm just putting two and two together based on the new information that I learned. So more than likely, that Nile was man-made and was the result from huge excavation that was done on what they're calling Egypt. Okay? Damn. It's always a reason why you read something. So they're saying groups of minerals found in granite that look like tiny sheets and then process them into hydrometallurgical plant, which can produce quality lithium hydroxide, the substance used in electric batteries. So in other words, you extracting extracting metal metals and metals and minerals out of the granite, which was all of that was still tied to the ancient tree root system. 
Cornish lithium uses water to do this instead of roasting at high temperatures. Yeah, because you you could try to keep drilling granite, it's going to heat up so much. So that's why, of course, they need water and why they have to cut it with those diamond bits. All right, so instead of roasting at high temperatures, as this uses less energy and produces no emission, the plant will be the size and shape of the average Tesco Metro. Yeah, I think that's, uh, is that the gas station over in um, the UK? But the hard rock is not the only place where lithium can be found. Naturally occurring underground hot springs in Cornwall are enriched with geothermal fluids called brines. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I think of brines, I think of salted water which contain minerals leaked out of granite in the earth's crust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're going to continue. Alongside hard rock extraction, Cornish lithium plans to use direct lithium extraction in the brines, which will allow it to selectively extract the lithium by putting the liquid through a series of filters. Ultimately, the company aims to produce a battery quality lithium hydroside product from the geothermal waters. Ciao. Okay, it says, I'm going to read this last uh, paragraph and then we're going to keep it. Uh, we're going to get into the pictures. Crane says that the Cornish lithium is trying to move away from labeling what it is doing as mining. We've started calling it mining extract, mineral extraction. See how they gonna try to rename, try, try to remix something? Always trying to remix something. We've started calling it mineral extraction rather than mining because mining kind of um, conjures up those images, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does, bruh of people going underground and getting dirty. Oh, it's more than that, bruh. It conjures up the en the the energy for me and the images of damaging the earth. Whatever the company labels it, it's not the only player looking to exploit the riches hidden in those Cornish hills. Okay, so I want y'all to remember what them hills are. Okay? British lithium is also in the exploration stage of its venture enraged, I'm sorry, engaged in a race to prove that the much acclaimed deposits of lithium are where it says they are and that it has the right technique to extract them. Okay, so I'm going to stop right there because he's going to, get into more details about the extraction and we don't need to go in all of that. We get the uh, gist of it. So this is from Wired. This is the UK uh, version of Wired and this is the race to grab all the UK's lithium before it's too late. Okay, so I'm going to pause and I'm going to um, pull some of the pictures 
to share with the fam of uh, the uh, ancient trees and the ancient tree roots. And we're going to look at that fault line that they speaking on. So uh, we'll be right back, fam. Okay, family. So let's get into, uh, we've seen this video before. Um, I'm just reminding you what um, the remnants of the ancient trees look like. And also, I want to show you via this video those fault lines and how those fault lines are the remnants of the excavation of the ancient trees root system and uh, the debris left over from it, rather, which created volcanoes. Okay, so this entire video is called... Um, the Lost History of Earth by Iranon. And this is off the YouTube channel Extended Thought. Extended Thought is not the author of it. Iranon is. Uh, various people have uploaded this documentary because it keeps being um, removed. Okay, so I'm just going to... Uh, play just a, a snippet of it so we can see the remnants of those ancient trees, okay? So what the things that we are thinking that are rocks are ancient trees, okay? So um, I'm just going to continue on uh, as he goes through and just kind of shows you. <sighs> Look at that. Look at the sheer size of that. Okay. As he's going through showing you these things. Okay. So in addition to these ancient trees being cut down, you have this associated root system as well. Okay. Alrighty. So just to once again show you these things. Okay. And so when he gets to, no, he's going to get to it. Uh, I want him to get to this. Kind of uh, showing you a comparison of an ancient tree that we are thinking are mountains. But when you put it side by side, by what we call trees, you can see the striking similarities, okay? So down here, you would see this is going into the tree's roots. Same thing with what they're calling a mountain, okay? So we're going to continue on, okay? And so he's just once again showing you this is what they're calling the top of a mountain in South Africa. You can see tree rings, and he's showing you right here what we're calling a regular tree. Same difference, no difference. Okay, he's about to get to these fault lines. In just a second here, we are going to go over the fault lines. Okay, come on. Okay, just once again showing you the comparison of ancient trees versus what we're calling trees. 
Okay, so just another example. And you see the height of these ancient trees? Okay, all right. So I'm going to, okay, so he's just once again showing you examples of the ancient trees, comparing it to what we're calling regular trees today. Okay. All right. So he's going to get into, um, so he's just showing you uh, silicon, and that's why sand is made up of silicon to this day, and today's trees are carbon-based. Okay. Uh, so I'm trying to be patient. I don't want to skip past when he gets to the volcano fault lines. So I'm going to show you even more pictures of the crystal caves. So these crystals are what um, are a part of the ancient tree's root system. Okay, so let's continue with this. Okay, that's, that's actually a really, really pretty tree. Okay, you all see how the scale of this and, and it, it's still family. It just takes my breath away to know that. So this is like even above the clouds. And you see how far out it extends all the way out there. So this was a huge tree. Okay, so we'll continue on. Okay, so hopefully you'll look at this stuff different now. Okay. But they're calling out in the, uh, it looks like at one time it was a desert, but it looks like it's finally starting to regenerate itself. A mountain, hmm, hopefully you're looking at it differently now. So let's continue. I'm trying to get to these fault lines, okay? Another tree, another ancient tree. Okay, uh, all right, I may have to, just do a little bit myself. Okay, so hopefully you can see that. I'm trying to get to the volcanoes, y'all. <laughs> uh, okay, I have to do a little digging myself. Let me go back. Okay, nope, I missed it somewhere because he showed the fault lines. That's what I'm trying to show you. Okay. All right, so he's showing you an aerial view. These are the roots those ancient tree roots. So when we were talking in that article and they were laying out that map, they were um, showing a map of these ancient tree roots. Okay, so it looks similar to the veins or the uh, nervous system. Okay, dang y'all, I'm sorry. I'm trying to find this fault line for y'all. Ah, uh, talk uh, on it. Hold on a second. Wanted y'all to see the uh, the ring of the fault line. So bear with me. If I can't find it, I apologize. I know it's not back that far. No, it's not back that far. Okay, because I don't want to replay this because we just played it the other day. Um, although I highly recommend you all watch this documentary. There we go, right there. There you go. This is the ring of fire of in that article. They are talking about 
going to use their technology of x-ray because they know here they have lithium. Okay? But this ring of fire represents volcano faults because they called it fault lands. Okay? Because you see Mount St. Helen right there. These This fault line was created... <clears throat> based on the waste from them excavating the silicon trees. Okay? So meaning that residue or that waste from the silicon trees and the root system would still contain minerals and metals, but those minerals and metals, because it is ground up and piled in one spot, created volcanoes. Okay? So they're literally going to the waste piles, also, i.e. volcanoes, to extract minerals. All right? So they said nickel... Uh, copper, cobalt, aluminum. Okay? So just to show you the sheer amount of excavation that went on in the planet and this fault line, they're telling us the fault line is the crust of the earth. Yes, the crust of the earth, okay, but it's the crust of the earth or the root system of the earth that was dug up. Extractions were made and then the remnants of the extraction or the waste pile was piled up. And it is no accident that it is by water so the water could, i.e., cool it down. But because of the chemical makeup of the quote, quote, waste or remnants, it made it uh, very hot in nature. So even the water can't cool it down sometimes, all right? Depending on movement, uh, it will spark up a flare and hence what they're calling volcanoes will go off. Now... Iranon's e e e e theory is that a lot of what we see as lakes and oceans were not originally so. That as they were uh, tearing down the ancient trees, they also backed field areas with water. Okay, so I don't know for sure if this particular... Uh, part was already naturally water or if it was backfield. I don't know that, okay? So I just wanted to give you all, <coughs> tie the two together of the excavation that they are doing for these lithium batteries. All they're doing is excavating, already excavated, material 
and natural minerals from the waste pile and the tree, ancient tree roots. That's all they're doing. They're still scavenger hunting and ripping out the natural minerals, precious metals and crystals from planet Earth slash Mama Earth. Okay? And how convenient that they naturally know what areas to get it from. How convenient that they found a map a hundred and something so years ago that had mapped out what they called, uh, I forgot the term that they used. It was almost like valleys, but they called it something else because it was from the UK. But it was really ancient tree roots, okay? So, you know, I'm going to end this family uh, just by showing you pictures of the underground caves across the planet. You're going to see uh, the tree roots and the minerals attached to the tree roots, i.e. the precious crystals. So, you know, I want us to think about these things that they are calling green en energy and these things that they are calling new energy and really, really understand what they are doing and what are the origins of those things. Okay? Because you are literally witnessing another reset. Okay? So this is Rhonda from WTUZ Radio Podcast. I wish everyone well. We are going to rock out with just some pictures from uh, underground Mama Earth, the ancient tree roots, what they're calling crystal caves. Peace and love, fam.